Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Today, we're starting a new series, and the series is called tables and altars. I don't know if you've ever uh, recognized or realized or been aware of the fact that when you walk into a room or an environment or a conversation, that often you can get a sense of the atmosphere or the vibe, right? Who, who knows that? You walk into a place and you're like, oh, this this is, this is a good vibe, right? There's, there's something like, I don't know what it is, or you like walk in, and it's like, oh, this is really, that's weird. There's a re- weird vibe, or, or sometimes we even recognize, sometimes we give off a weird vibe. No, everyone else does, right? You're like, Pastor Andrew, that was too real too soon, okay? You're going to need to wait at least three minutes into your intro before you do that. But there is... Even though we can't touch it or feel it, there's a sense of a tangible atmosphere in an environment or in a room. And what we are going to be looking at is that that atmosphere is actually built and created. That we have the ability to influence and impact an atmosphere and an environment. And as part of us understanding this, we're going to be looking at two things that God is calling us to build. Now, we've called them tables and altars, but they're not tangible things, and we're going to unpack that. And I want, at the very beginning of this journey, to understand that some of what we're talking about, there is some mystery, and there is some spiritual and supernatural aspects that are intangible, but nonetheless real in the same way that when you walk into a a room you feel the atmosphere of the room and something someone that is a product of conversations or actions or beliefs and so uh at city lights one of the the key things that we've been talking about since the inception of this church is the idea of a table One of the key images of this church is the family table. Now, a family table is a place of belonging. And a family table is a place of community, and not just any community, but the family table is a place where we learn what it is to follow Jesus in relationship. So you come in, you don't have to have the answers, And they're like, well, what about this? And what about Jesus? And what about, and Lord, should I do with my life? And it's like, come in, sit down, sit at the family table. Family tables have food. You'll know that in our church, we have a lot of food. And the reason for that is because it's who we are. We want to build relationships. One of the best ways to do that is food. Last year, I introduced this idea of a table in the wilderness. The fact that the table is not just for us, it's not just a club, 
but it's actually a place and an atmosphere that we can create where so we can reach and help and bring people into community and into relationship with Jesus who may be struggling or may be in difficult times and difficult seasons in their life. But this morning, I want to start and introduce the concept of altars to you. Now, I fully realize that it's probably not the main topic of your conversation. You didn't come in a little bit early, grab your coffee and say, oh, you know, like, let's talk about the altars that you built. And, you know, I would understand that that would be, number one, not necessarily a normal topic topic of conversation and perhaps also like a little weird. But this is what we are going to talk about. Now, the fact that the idea of altars may not come up in our conversation doesn't mean that it's not a theme in the Bible. And that's where we're going to start. In the Old Testament, starting in Genesis, when a person would have an encounter with God, we see that one of their responses was to build an altar. And we see in the Old Testament, if you've read a little bit of the Bible, the first part of it, and you've heard of some of the like the key figures there, right? The, the heavy hitters, the people like Abraham and Noah, and we've also got like David and Gideon and, and Isaac. What would happen is that God would speak to them. They would encounter God and then they would say, I met God here. I'm going to create an altar and that would look different in different times. But essentially they would usually just just grab some some stones of what was around and they would build them together and say, this is significant. I encountered God and it's changed my life and it's changed my destiny and God has spoken to me and this is one of the pictures of an altar in the Bible. The second picture of the altar in the Bible that we see is a place of devotion. We see the tabernacle and the temple had altars and the purpose of those altars was for people to get right with God. So they would have priests, there was a a sacrificial uh, system, they would either bring like animals or they would bring produce and there would be a, a fire and that would allow people's relationship to be restored with God. It was a place of devotion and sacrifice and worship. And so if we want a simple definition of altars, it's this. Altars are spaces and places for encounter and devotion. That's what an altar is. It's a space and place for, count, for people to encounter and for devotion. One of the things that you see as well in the Bible is that altars were contested. Altars weren't, not just every altar was an altar dedicated to God or the God that we're talking about. It wasn't just assumed. In fact, one of the most dramatic examples of that we see when a a young boy, uh, his name was Josiah, he comes to the throne and he's eight years old. Does anyone know any eight-year-old boys? 
I've got a six-year-old and a ten-year-old. It's not like the nation was in, in the mess. If, if the nation is in, in the mess, I don't call my six-year-old and my ten-year-old, right? So the nation was in ruin and we see this picture in 2 Kings 23 of how the altars that were supposed to be dedicated to God are contested. And we see, and you can read this yourself at a later date, 2 Kings 23, Baal and Asherah and Molech, these are false gods and the temple the altar high places have been dedicated to the worship of these gods there is all kinds of articles and and uh, a misuse of what was supposed to be dedicated they have their own priesthood now here's what's shocking and what we know is that part of sacrifice and part of worship with the god Moloch was child sacrifice they would literally this is a a horrible picture but they would literally get a young baby and stoke up a fire and they would just put that baby in the fire that is such a disturbing picture we also know that our god the good god he hated it He hated that type of worship. Here's some of the other terrible worship that we see. Baal worship usually included uh, orgies, male and female prostitution, sometimes bestiality. The idea is that it was a god of of fertility and that if if the people had more sex, then there would be more rain. And this was part of the corrupted system of altars and worship at that time. And so what we see in the Old Testament, what Josiah said about under his rule as he grew, was the idea of deconstructing and reconstructing. He just swept through the land. He removed all the altars to the high places. He removed all the priesthood. He removed uh, spiritists and mediums in that time. And he just swept through as part of the spiritual renewal and he changed the spiritual atmosphere of that land. Now, I've got to probably pause here and you may be asking, okay, that's, that's nice. That's a nice history lesson. But what is the relevance to today. Yeah, like I, I get that, you know, all altars and idols and priests and sacrifice and fire, you know, like, yes, I watch a little bit of Marvel, maybe a little bit of um, Lord of the Rings, maybe, maybe a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons or Pokemon. So I get that whole thing. But what does that have to do with me and my situation and you might say, well, I'm, now I'm more enlightened. You might say, Pastor Andrew, I don't know if you know, but I have an iPhone. And on that iPhone is every answer to every question that I could ever want to know. And we could say, okay, that was part of a, that was a superstitious part of the Bronze Age. And now 
we have science and we know that that was just superstition. And today we're not talking about going to Bunnings after church and like getting, getting some rocks, making a fire pit, stopping up at the, the animal produce place, getting some firewood. We're not talking about that. Not, I grew up in Thailand and you have spirit houses and you have little, uh, you put like incense candles and, and little pieces of fruit there. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something else. So here's another question for you. What do you think about the spiritual atmosphere? You may not even use those terms. What do you think about the vibe or the mood of our community? Do you, what do you think about the direction of our nation and on, of our city? Do you think that's like, do you think there's like a, a healthy atmosphere? Do you think there's a, a wholeness, a unitedness? What do you think? What do you think about that? And what do you think about what we could do about that? And this morning I want to introduce the idea that the only way that we can change atmospheres, the only way that we can bring health to spiritual atmospheres, to change the vibe, people may not understand what's going on, but to bring life is through understanding the concept and the power of altars. Now, as I was preparing this, I'm like, okay, this is a little bit challenging, right? It's a little bit of a challenging concept because the way that we think is very rational. It's very material. It's very logical. And you could say, well, Andrew, I think you're just being overly dramatic. I think you've had one too many coffees. That is true. Had one more than usual. But as a church, we are serious about bringing renewal to people's lives. We're serious about bringing a change in atmosphere. Let me ask you a question. And some of you have been in households or families where when you walk through the door, it doesn't feel like home. The atmosphere feels tense. Has anyone been in a situation like that? Where it's like, this is not a nice place to be, but I don't have a choice. What difference would it make that when we walk through the doors of all of our houses, not just some of them, that there was peace in the atmosphere, that there was harmony in the atmosphere, that there was life in the atmosphere. And that's why we're starting this journey because as a church, we want to understand that part of our role is actually to change the spiritual atmosphere, starting here, into our homes, over our church, into our workplaces, and see the power of God be released. And so we're going to be talking about four altars, the altar of the heart, the home, the church, and the city. You see, altars are places and spaces of influence and significance. 
places and spaces of influences. You, you might say, well, we don't have altars right now in modern Australia. Has anyone ever been to a sporting game? Has anyone seen the passion, the devotion, the sacrifice of one of those games? I think anyone here from Victoria, I think Victoria is usually like AFL, AFL culture in Victoria. They are AFL mad. And I love sport, right? But you can see sometimes there's like a tipping point where the number one thing in somebody's life is sport. That's a window into understanding the concept of an altar. It's about priority. What is the most important thing? What are you most passionate about? And what effect does that then have? And this morning, we're going to look at the first altar that we build. The first altar that we build is the altar of the heart. And so what we're going to learn about is how can I build a prayer altar in my heart? Now, when the Bible looks at the heart, when we start at the heart, the heart is the center of our feelings, loves, deepest desires, what really controls us, drives us, motivates us, our appetites. Who's heard the saying, the heart wants what the heart wants? Love is the most irrational thing. Isn't that true? Here's one thing that I realized about myself early on in life, and I, I think I've, I've dealt with it. Has anyone here ever been invited to parties where they say they have finger food? Yeah? You've been to a party? What I realized is that I'm a pretty hungry person. And when I first went to my, the party with finger food, it was just like I was there and I was like, I usually eat early, right? So you get to like 7, 7.30. You're dying. You're hangry. And what I've... What I... My hunger became my greatest driving factor. And I found myself waiting at the door where the servers come out, trying to get as many mini chicken drumsticks and dim sims and spring rolls as I could. And I realized that even though I wanted to be a good guest and have good manners, that that hunger began to drive me into places that were pretty embarrassing. Now, luckily at that time, was I married at that time? She's, my wife's just like, she's shaking her head. She knows me. So what I realized I had to do is that if we got invited or I got invited to uh, a party with finger food, I would just eat on the way. Just go to drive through Can anyone relate? Okay. A few small minority people don't want to. Okay. What we understand is that within ourselves, we have appetites, we have drives, we have motivations that take us to places that we don't always plan to do, plan to be. You understand? And that's why it's important that when we start with an altar, we need to start here. Now, the Bible, you probably know this, but the Bible talks about 
the idea of the heart a thousand times. So it's a pretty big deal. Now here's what it says. The Bible says about the heart. The heart can be good, noble, and it can be evil. It can be hardened, calloused, and it can be open. It can be whole and unified. It can be divided. It can be foolish, sinful, unrepentant, and it can be full of God's love. It can be have bad motives, be full of bitterness and selfish ambition. I've, there's been times I've recognized I've got some stuff in me that's, that's bitter. I need to forgive. I've got selfish motives, but it also can be a center of obedience to drive us into God's will and God's plan. It can be boastful. It can be humble. It can be a storage of good things or a storage of bad things. Here's some other things that can happen. Your heart can be changed by prayer. It can be enlightened, peaceful, encouraged, tested, strengthened, refreshed. It can think, it can have thoughts, and it can be searched. Do you know when the Bible talks about the heart, it says that everything in your life flows from your heart. Every word, Jesus says that every word that you speak originates in your heart. And if I think that's the case, then I should probably stand up and and take attention and pay attention that sometimes I don't create the atmosphere that I want to create. Sometimes I don't honour people with the words or express the, the feeling or the love or the care. Sometimes I'm not as courageous and as bold as what I should be. And all of that, starts here it starts in the center of my emotions my will all the vibes all the good vibes all the weird vibes all the positive vibes healthy unhealthy they are a product of something that's going on in my life so we're talking about building a prayer altar in our hearts How can I build a place in my life which is a place of encounter and devotion? This is what it means to build a prayer altar. And I know that all across this room, many people, you may have been on this journey and some of us pray, but I want to encourage you to push deeper into this idea of a prayer altar. Let me give you an example. So I used to work um, in sales and marketing. I went to uni in, in uh, Sydney, studied, have a business degree, uh, got a, a job with a couple of big American companies and uh, God favoured me with lots of promotions. I worked in a, um, a building with a view of the harbour. Um, great company, enjoyed the people that I worked with, enjoyed my job was very energized with it. I had one boss. She was an awesome boss. And one of the things that we used to do is that once a week, I would we would have what we call a work in progress meeting. And she would sit down and I would prepare all my major projects that I was working on in sales and marketing. And I would take her through all those projects and all those timings. We'd talk about them. We'd talk about barriers 
We talk about whether we're on track. Has anyone ever been in an experience like this? You've had an experience like that? Sometimes we can get in that mode with God. Sometimes we can say, hey, God, let's check in. I want to see how you're going with all the things that I asked you. I want to check in. God, I've asked for this. And sometimes if he's not performing, it's not on track, we can get a little discouraged with him. We can say, hey, God, look, I asked for this. This is not happening. I'm going to need an explanation. Or sometimes we can even say, God, this is unacceptable. Okay, I'm going to make a file note. I'm going to put you on a performance plan. Who's ever been headed into that trap? Where our prayer, and it's good that you're praying, and I don't want you to stop asking God for things, but that is not a prayer altar. A prayer altar is something that is very simple, but it's something that's very different. In a prayer altar, I come humbly and I come and say, God, you're awesome. In a prayer altar, I don't say, God, what is your will for my life? In a prayer altar, I say, God, what is your will? I don't make it all about me. I don't make it about what God's performance, whether he's, he's done. That doesn't mean that I don't ask God for things. But at a prayer altar, I come and I say, God, I want to please you. God, my whole life, I want to glorify you. I say, God, search my heart. Search my spirit. God, I want to encounter you. I want to encounter your presence. This is what it means to create a prayer altar. And it's so simple. And anybody can do it. 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 5 says this, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Do you know when through the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, we don't have to sacrifice to get to God, to, for God to be pleased with us. We are able to boldly enter His presence through the sacrifice of Jesus. But this passage is saying we have a role as priests, not to do things to get to Jesus, but to offer spiritual sacrifices that please him. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. 
Do you know one of the hardest things to do, but one of the most beautiful things to do is to praise God in any circumstance? This is a sacrifice of praise. And when it comes time to like, God, I'm, I'm tired, I'm, I'm busy. And God says, yeah, I know. It's a sacrifice. That's what you bring. You honor God. God, this didn't work out the way that I thought, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to sacrifice to you. I'm going to trust in your plan. And this is how we change atmospheres. I'm going to be done in like two minutes. A couple of years ago, uh, I've been a, a pastor now for, for many, many years ago. I had a, a guy um, that I was connecting with and discipling with, and he had just gone through uh, a messy divorce, and he wasn't on good terms with his wife. He was uh, African, and she was uh, Latina, and so there was some, some fireworks there. And uh, I said to him, I said to him, I want to encourage you to start to pray for your ex-wife and to pray that you would have God's love for her and that she would experience God's love. And do you know what he said to me? He said, yes, yes, pastor. Do you know why? Because he was very polite. Do you know what he later told me? In his mind, he was going, no, pastor. But he was very polite. Yes, pastor. And do you know what? That circumstance didn't change. But a couple of weeks later, he told me that when they would get into this scenario where they would usually have fireworks, that something within him changed and he didn't feel the need to say what he usually says. That is the power of a prayer altar. That is a power of a life that is surrendered to God. The book of Romans says we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. So who's the priest? Me. Who's the sacrifice? Me. And so we come into this place and this space where we allow God to move and to deal with our heart in the very deepest places. Why don't you bow your heads? This morning, the purpose of this morning is to give you the first step, the first concept in this idea of altars. A heart that's surrendered. A heart that's open. The type of prayer that encounters God. The type of prayer that expresses the love and devotion. The type of prayer that stands in awe of God. Yes, God is my friend. Yes, He loves me. But He is awesome. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take probably a minute or two 
This is so simple. Anyone can do it. But I want to invite you in this minute just to open your heart to God. Just say, God, my heart is open. Would you speak to me? Would you work in my heart? I surrender things I'm trying to control. Unforgiveness I've been holding on. I just allow the flow of your spirit. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.